What's going on, family? It's your man, Gerard Bonner. Welcome to another episode of The Faction, a very special episode today, as I'm honored to be welcoming a wonderful guest who I have been so excited to talk about, and we're going to have that conversation with him in just a few minutes. But before we do, I want to remind you of a few things. Of course, if you are not subscribed to our podcast, you can do that right now, wherever you're watching or listening to us, hit the subscribe button. We would absolutely appreciate it. Leave a comment for us in those spaces as well. Uh, That certainly allows others to hear and see more of what we are doing. Shout out to those who are following us on the socials at The Faction Show as well. We absolutely appreciate it. And as you see, we've got the brand new T-shirt bet on you. You can check that out right now at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfied. We have it in black. We have it in military green. So definitely go ahead and order that again. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfied. All right. I want to get us into this amazing interview. Uh, we're talking to an incredible content creator, hip hop artist. You have seen him on NXT. You've heard his voice on AEW Impact. He's been involved with a ton of amazing theme songs. He goes by a couple of names. You might know him as Rustlin Flow or Josiah Williams. He is our special guest today on The Faction. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. What are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm going to start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content, but that I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me, if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea. And we're gonna pack 1,000 people. I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. Lord, a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine. COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a been. There's a you, there will always be a S-H-W. 
attention wrestling fans. Join us for SHW's fourth annual Rumble Jack. Coming to you Friday, August 5th, live from the Action Building in Canton, Georgia. All-Star Special will defend their SHW tag team titles against Happy Madness. Then, it's every man for himself to see who will be the last standing in the Rumble Jack match as we determine a new number one contender for the Southern Honor Championship. Door the night of the show starting at 5 p.m. Doors open at 7, bell time at 8. Invite your friends and let's pack the action building for one of our biggest nights of the year. Trust us, you don't want to miss this show. SHW, an experience like no other. What's going on, family? So I told you we would have a very special guest hanging out with us. And I don't know if he realizes this, but I've been trying to do this for a long time like a long time so i am grateful that everything has aligned and hanging out with us today is a guy who is a true jack of all trades uh and a master of them as well he's doing so many things a hip-hop artist an entertainer a content creator he does it all he's hanging out with us guys welcome this guy is amazing josiah williams what's up brother I just want to go ahead and just start this off by apologizing, you know, because <laughs> why we were supposed to. I mean, so we met officially what March or April, April so, at Battle Slam. Yes. Yeah. In April. Yeah. So we're like, all right, you were talking like, you know, let's do this podcast thing. And I'm like, oh, bet I don't have yeah. anything on Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monday comes around and I'm like, all right, well, let's reschedule. Then let's right. reschedule. <laughs> then let's reschedule. Today happens and I'm like, wait, can we push it back 30 or 40 minutes? <laughs> like, it's just crazy. It, it's it's all good. Things happen. Life happens. Like, no worries. Like, <laughs> no worries at all. At all. Well, uh, I have to. So I have to start like this because normally and I've got normal questions. I'll, I'll get to that. But you don't know this part. Like, I've been trying to connect with you for years. Wow. And so, you know, when Battle Slam finally happened, I was like, Thank you, God. Like, this is a guarantee. I'm at least going to meet him. And so things went off well. And I'll explain at some point why I've been trying to do this for so long. But let's get to you because that's what's really important here. We got to, <laughs> I want to go to the early years because everybody knows, you know, where you are now. But this whole journey for you began all the way in Milwaukee. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Tell, tell yeah. me about that. Yeah. Um, so my, my mom is from uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. She moved to Milwaukee to be a, a youth minister and a youth pastor out there and uh, built community. Okay. I pop up. Yeah. Um, I, you know, went to a lot of art schools and did music and dance and theater yeah. and all that. Um, and yeah, theater took me to Illinois for college um started doing the, the i'm trying to do like bullet points of yeah, like no, all good so i'm a theater kid but i always knew um i always thought i wanted to be an actor until going to college and uh decided you know i don't want to go to la and new york and be broke so fair enough figure something else out 
and then college basketball announcing and then eventually wrestling. But yeah, there's a lot kind of in between all of that. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, it's a very interesting path for sure. A very interesting path. So talk to me about obviously those early days and first the desire you said to be an actor. Yeah. What, what sparked that? What was the thing that made you go? Yeah, I think I want to do that. Well, um, my mom and I, of course, watched a lot of movies and TV growing up. Um, she told me that, you know, early on, I really fell in love with the Lion King and I would try to mimic their voices before I could speak. Okay. Wow. Once I learned how to actually speak, I started memorizing the movie because I watched it so often. And then, um, I never really did the thing where I would, you know, dance in front of mom or like do little performances, but I tried to reenact the movie. Okay. Um, and then I guess that was her decision of like putting me into art schools growing up. Sure. Um, but I just fell in love with it. I felt like uh, the, the the world of the arts could kind of express yourself in, in, in any type of way. Um, yeah. I knew that I was horrible at drawing. Okay. And, and <laughs> just art in that aspect, visual yes. art. I couldn't do it. Yes. Um, but singing and dancing and all that, I, I absolutely loved it. So, yeah, that's kind of the, the introduction, I guess, into the rest of my life. Sure. Absolutely. And so by then you mentioned the piece about uh, becoming an announcer for college basketball. Now, how did that end up happening? So we had this um, at the beginning of the year, they have this scrimmage where the team played each other. Sure. And uh it was either my senior year or my first year out of college. I don't remember at this point, okay. but uh, they invited me to come in and just be the host of the of the scrimmage. Okay. And I didn't know that they were using that as kind of like an audition mm. for me to be the MC for all of the games. Wow. For the season. So I thought it was just kind of a one and done thing. Yeah. They pulled me aside either that next week or, you know, at some other point and said, you know, we would love for you to, to do this uh, for the season. Um, and yeah, I ended up doing that for for five seasons for the Bradley Braves basketball team. Wow. D1 <laughs> wow. So what t- tell me some of the lessons you learned from that, because, again, I don't know that you had that particular part on your bingo card in terms of <laughs> these are my career goals. Right. Uh, yeah. But I'm sure that that obviously led to some things. What are some of the things you learned from that experience? Man, you have to learn to adapt. Um, you know, it's a very different culture, of course, yes. of basketball in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Early on, like when I was in college, we had we had star athletes, okay. but our team as a whole was not a successful, I guess, quote unquote team. Gotcha. So in the beginning, I had to learn to keep the energy up even when the score was down, you know, right. What I mean? right. <laughs> kind of figured that out. Um, eventually, you know, we did well. We entered our first, uh, not first, but we went back to the uh, the tournament for the first okay. time in like a long time. Wow. So feeding off of that energy too, of like, I still have a story to communicate and I still have points to sell from, you know, a marketing perspective. Yeah. Um, and then there are of course moments when, you know, there's an issue on the court and they're like, Hey, Josiah, go out and do, you know, fill 30 seconds, fill 30, right. 60 seconds. Right. Um, so there's a lot of that. Uh, and I think, you know, with theater, it's the same thing of like, you have to improv is a big part of acting. Um, yes communicating and storytelling. So it's all the same thing, but right. in a different world and a different scope. Right, right. And and I can imagine, obviously, you having to grab things 
from varying places to be able to do that and then being very quick on your feet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was a lot. So there were, you know, of course, there were some spots like the 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 fan of the night by Buffalo Wild Wings. That was always sure. going to be there. So like right. you start to memorize that. OK, but then there are the things where, you know, the game's getting ready to start and they give you a script and says this is halftime. So, wow. yeah, uh, wow. you know, of course, I can't memorize it at, you sure. know, at that point. But as I'm reading it for the first time into the microphone, I still have to be expressive and vocal and, and, and giving people that energy as if I know what I'm getting ready to say. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> so I'm, I'm also intrigued now because music jumps into this. So mm -hmm. at what point for you did you go? Yeah, I really like music enough to want to create it. Um, so in high school, I did a lot of poetry. OK, OK. Um, and then when I went off to college, you know, I was I was four or five hours away from home. So I wasn't like, you know, all the way out in Hawaii or something. But right. I knew that if I didn't find a hobby or if I didn't get connected with a, a friend group, Mm -hmm. right away that I would have that desire to try to go home on the weekends or, you know, kind of fall into that, like depression of being away from home, you know, all that type yeah. of stuff. Yeah. So I had my first laptop. Okay. And I tried kind of converting my poems into lyrics, mm. fell in love with it, started making beats on GarageBand, fell yeah. in love with it eventually realized that my beats were trash and then i had to like <laughs> you know work with producers to do all that yeah um, but it, it very quickly you know because i grew up listening to music i love listening to music um right. but finding that that voice and that story to be able to tell it was different sure uh, and it was new and it was fresh and it was fun so yeah, my I would say my freshman year of college is when I started to actually tap into it. And then uh, the whole college career and beyond is when it when it really kind of took off. Yeah. Yeah. So who were you listening to as you were starting to develop? Who were some of the, the voices that were influencing you? Well, so it was it was difficult because I listened to a lot of like R&B and pop. OK. And my voice at that point in my life was not really pop. You know what I mean? Like sure. I'm trying to communicate through hip hop lyrics. So it was, it was different. Like I had a lot of new influences, um, but it wasn't exactly my genre. Yeah. So um, I use that, I use that though. So here's, I think a good example of that is like, I think Sade mm -hmm. was someone who is pure R&B. Yeah. But the storytelling in it, you know, a lot of hip hop artists are influenced by her. So sure. my music sounded very Sade, ambient, gotcha. uh, a lot of reverb, reverb yeah. um, echoes like that's kind of that's kind of what I took after. And then, of course, like tapping into Kendrick and Drake and Cole at that mm -hmm. time, Big Sean, Chance the Rapper. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there was that that rhythmic soul that like, you know, Drake kind of mastered, uh, Wale kind of mastered of mm -hmm. here's here's hip hop, but here's an R&B twist or here's an R&B influence on it. Yeah, um, was very heavy during my college years. OK, OK, that makes that makes sense. And then really, that starts to lead us to 
this whole Russell and flow concept, which mm-hmm. is where I first heard of you. And it really was just kind of revolutionary of sorts. What gave you the idea? Because nobody was doing that. And still, there aren't a whole lot of people doing that. You know, this idea that I'm going to take a theme song, I'm going to put my spin on it and publish it. And people went crazy. So for you, what what was the genesis of of that idea? So there's a I guess there's an in-between story of that, too. So there's like, you know, I started making hip hop music. Right. Transition to Christian hip hop music. Yes. And then the the wrestling thing. So in between these Christian hip hop projects, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, but like, yes, we will. In between all that, I have to, I'm not the type of person that can go into a studio and drop, you know, 15 tracks. I can't do it. Yeah. So after I complete a body of work, I feel like I need to do something that's like, let me not think about this. Okay. Get refocused, come back. Okay. So wrestling flow um it was an idea that i had for a while that i never really did anything with okay um i tried once i actually committed to it i tried a couple of songs i tried an aj styles remix and then uh somebody else you know the christian thing kind of sure sure i didn't really like it so i kind of let it sit again yeah 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 (laughs) and then i remember listening to um it was i was watching nxt and hearing the Undisputed Era theme song, and I was like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%, I need that right now. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the first two was Undisputed Era and um, uh, the Gorillas of Destiny from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yes. And I, you know, there were there were people who were doing it. Smoke Dizza, Mega Ran, there was a lot of people, Montezzi, there were so many people who were doing that already. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think of it necessarily from the aspect of wanting to be like them, because at that time, I really didn't know Mega Ran and Smoke Dizza like that. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to just do something because I already had a YouTube channel and just try it. So I figured right. to stand out and to kind of connect with my Christian audience and the, the hip hop audience that was already there. Mm-hmm. Now, let me just remix the music videos because yeah. most people are going to like most people are going to not be fans of wrestling anyway. Hmm. So if I'm showing them what I'm talking about, then maybe it'll kind of make sense. <laughs> sure, sure. Right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then after, you know, the first like few connecting with uh, Mega Ran, we did some stuff and, you know, then going back and actually listening to the people that were doing it before me, mm-hmm. it was like, OK, you know, now that I can kind of get into this community a little bit. Um, right. But it really was just something that I needed to do to clear my head. And then it took off. So I'm like, well, I might as well keep doing something with it. That's so crazy. That's great. So then let's backtrack a bit, because I do want to spend some time uh, on the Christian hip hop piece, because with you being um, one who has a lover of the arts, R&B, pop influence, doing all of these things. And I know you mentioned your mom was a youth pastor for Mm -hmm. you. What made you go? Yeah, I could do all kinds of hip hop, but I want to do Christian hip hop. Uh, I think it started be, being in college and living kind of crazy. Oh, OK. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. You know, first time away from home, you get some freedom, you kind of start exploring. And uh, my senior year um, or excuse me, right after I graduated, no, I was right. My senior year, I, I noticed that I had a lot of the freshmen and younger people kind of looking up to me. Okay. 
And I was already in this space where I'm like, man, I grew up, you know, the good Christian boy. And, sure. and now people are like, oh, that's the partier. That's the dude that goes crazy. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I want that <laughs> reputation. Wow. So I scaled back and went from just like making music to, all right, I'm not going to use any profanity anymore. Okay. And then uh, I felt like, you know, leading Bible studies and doing all these other things. I'm like, man, well, what if I just really commit instead of trying to kind of do both at the same time? Sure. Um, so, yeah, I think a big part of it was, you know, looking at these freshmen who were looking at me thinking that I had my life put together. And I'm like, yeah, OK. No, wow. I don't. Wow. Um, and, you know, if, if they believe in me, then I should believe in me. And if God believes in me, then I should believe in him. So, right. Wow. Um, yeah. And I wanted my art to reflect my life. That's good. So if I'm going to live this life and I'm going to say that I'm Christian then I might as well put that in my music and actually be about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So even with like wrestling flow, you know, you'll you'll hear the wrestling stuff and the and mm -hmm. the uh, story and all of that. But you won't hear profanity. You won't hear right. anything that kind of compromises who I am as a Christian. Right. Right. So I have to ask you, because one of the things that that I've seen in my own life and I know others have is when you are a Christian um, and you're trying to do things in a mainstream capacity, there's always somebody somewhere with a bit of kickback, um, whether it's from home church uh, or, you know, people from your hometown or wherever. What, if any kind of feedback, pushback, did you get with a decision to A, pursue Christian hip hop and then B, pursue the wrestling side of things as well? Yeah, got a lot of pushback from the from transitioning first into Christian music because mm -hmm. um, I had just come out of, you know, like especially being that close to Chicago, I had opened up for, you know, Chance the Rapper and, and Vic Mensa and Saba and all these guys who were like booming in Chicago yeah. on their way to big record deals are already there. Um, had my first like local radio song mm -hmm. um, and I'm performing in, you know, college basements and doing all this stuff where people are partying and having fun. Yeah. And then I'm like, man, let me let me put a message in my music. And they're like, nah, no, nah, we're not going to listen. to <laughs> Right. Right. So there was definitely that pushback of like, man, you know, it's the same style of, of music and it's the mm -hmm. same energy. It's the same flow that you liked before. It just has a different meaning behind it. So, you right. know, why are people not really vibing with this? Yeah. So. I had already accepted the fact that, all right, I'm not going to go down that path. You're not going to hear me on, you know, Kiss FM or, you know, yeah. the hip hop station at any point anyway. Sure. Um, with wrestling, it just made it fun. Got um, you. Because wrestling is one of those things where people automatically kind of like when you say that you're a fan of like Star Wars. Mm -hmm. I'm not. But, <laughs> <laughs> right. if, you know, when somebody says that they like Star Wars, you immediately think like, oh, OK, you're one of those guys. You know what sure, I mean? So sure. When you say in, you know, at that point, 2014, mm -hmm. that you're a fan of professional wrestling, people are like, all right. Mm -hmm. So I didn't care. You know, if you're yeah. a fan of wrestling, you like it regardless. Right. You're bold about it. You're unashamed about it. So. Right. Um, yeah. And I knew that what I was going to do wasn't going to change what I was already doing. Now, right. looking at it, you know, 
on the other side, there are people who followed my, you know, YouTube channel and, and Spotify and everything because they because of the Christian music. Sure. So when they're being flooded with notifications about, hey, Josiah just rapped about Samoa <laughs> Joe. <They're> right. Like, <laughs> you don't know what you want to do. And it's, like, <laughs> it's crazy because at that point, it's like, no, this is exactly what I want to do. Yes. You know what I mean, so yes. there was a lot of pushback, but uh I found a community within it. Yeah. You know, it's, gosh, there's so many questions I want to ask from that because I don't understand, and I've been around here for a second, why in the Christian spaces, you tend to get the most pushback when you're attempting to do something outside of the four walls. You know, I mean, the Great Commission says go out into the world. So it seems to make sense. We would be in spaces of sports and entertainment and all of those spaces uh, influencing. And yet when you go do that, it's like, okay, you don't know what you want to do. Do you want to do Christian hip hop? Do you want to do wrestling? Like, but yeah, why do you yeah. think, why do you think that is? Um, <clears throat> I think it's kind of what I was talking about earlier where people see you as one thing and they want you to just be that. Mm. Um, they expect, and I think they also kind of fear the worst too. Got you. Of, oh, well, now this guy is going to go out and be wearing like Austin 316 and that's against the Lord, you know, like. <laughs> what in the world. Right, right. I think I think people just assume that because you like anything else that um, you're going to completely change who you are. When wow. in reality, most people. 99.9% of people don't have a Christian based job that they go to during the day. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. I don't chastise the person who works at target, even though they're right. a Christian or, you know, I, I feel like that's what it is. So when you, when you declare that as an artist and as a creative, that you are of the Lord, right. They expect you to only do that. Right. Um. So yeah, there's a little bit of that, but I think when, I think what it all comes down to is showing your heart and showing what your what your intention is with your art too. Yeah. So while I did get a little bit of pushback, I think most people knew like, yeah, that's the that's the Christian guy who likes wrestling. Right. Right. That's it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's that's huge. And I think it's necessary because I think a lot of people end up being limited in their scope of what they can do for fear of that kind of pushback. You know, yeah. this whole idea that, well, I can't go do whatever it is that they want to do um, for that reason. So I applaud you for pushing through that because it takes more courage than people realize uh, to, to be able to do that. And so, OK, two spaces I want to go first. Let me go here down the Christian hip hop road. Um, mm-hmm. How difficult do you think it was to to become a part of that community? Because that is uh, it's. It's a well close knit community, all things considered, um, yet breaking in can be challenging, you know. So what, what was that like for you yeah. or, or have you seen, you know, breaking in? Like what, what's that experience been like for you? Well, so I think breaking in for me was like, honestly, the easiest okay. that it could be. Now, of course, I'm not at like, you know, Lecrae level or anything like not even close. But one thing about uh at least my church community in at the time Peoria Illinois is that they they saw it 
they understood what I was trying to do. Um, I wasn't like really hesitant about it. I'm like, man, I'm a performer. I want to perform. I want to be able to do this. Um, I think I got pretty lucky at that time as I was making music of whoever was the playlist curator at Spotify, you know, somehow found my stuff and same thing with Amazon. Now where I am, where I am now today, I think it's, I think it's more difficult now than it was before. Okay. Um, you know, trying to figure out, man, how do I actually get back into these playlists and, Mm -hmm. and having people, you know, looking at my music and, yeah because music has evolved and these platforms mm-hmm. have evolved, yeah. you know, in the last, what, eight, nine years. For sure. Um, so it's not as easy to get onto a new music Friday Christian as it was at that point. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think it was, I think it was really easy then to, okay. to break in and um, just kind of show who I was mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it's especially difficult now because a lot of everything is based on the money that you have. Right. Or the backing and the supporting that you have, or who you know. Right. And yeah, it's not that easy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, and again, it, it is one of those worlds now, you're right, where money does determine what goes where. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, and at the same time, I also wonder now for your fan base, your fan base. I don't know that they're split, but you tell me because you see it uh, a lot. Where do you think the bulk of your fans are coming from these days? Is it more so they're coming from the wrestling world and then discovering, oh, he does Christian stuff? Or are they coming from the Christian world and going, oh, he likes wrestling? No, the bulk is definitely wrestling. OK, um, because that has a much larger exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, while, I mean, Christian hip hop is huge. You yes. Know, I think that it's small in, in any way. But when you compare Christian hip hop to WWE or to All Elite Wrestling, you know right. what I mean? They're, right. D- Japan, right? There's, right? there's so much in what encompasses professional wrestling. Yeah. Um, and it's much more mainstream. It's much more worldly. You know what I mean? So sure. like, it's, it's easier to access that and to be a part of that community than it is yeah. to be a part of Christian hip hop with mm-hmm. the the idea of religion attached to it and faith. Right. So right. there's a difference between it. Um, yeah. But I do really enjoy, and this is kind of like what I was saying earlier, you know, I haven't really changed who I am. Sure. So I think it's different if in my wrestling music, you know, I'm disrespecting women or, you know, <laughs> right. being profane or something. And yeah. then trying to be like, hey, but praise God, bro. You know <laughs> right. what I, mean? <laughs> I feel like there's really not that big of a difference between Josiah Williams and Wrestle and Flow. Right. Uh, so it's it's easy for me to kind of do both and people kind of tune into it and, and see mm-hmm. what it's about. And it may not be for them. And they'll comment that and say that like, you know, Hey, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a really good example of that is Owl city, the people who are the guy who made uh fireflies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Albums, at least at some point, you know, in the two thousands, they had some Jesus music in it. Right. And people would be like, I don't believe in that, but mm-hmm. this song is incredible. Right, 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 right. Uh, uh, Yeah, I think that's kind of what it is for me. Like, 
most people are tuning in for the wrestling stuff, but there's a good chunk of folks who who stick around to see what I got to say about Jesus. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And so we have to talk about how in the world it went from launching Wrestle and Flow in 2018, if I have my time frames correctly, Correct. to NXT, because like it didn't take long for that to happen at all. And that is that is much credit to the undisputed era wow so i dropped that video and i didn't have like i had my account that was jadeen williams right maybe had like four or five thousand followers on it and then i had a wrestling flow account that i'd never did anything with it i was like maybe one day i'll post something okay so i dropped the undisputed era video and I used, you know, the NXT hashtags and professional sure. wrestling, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, Ring of Honor, right? Tying in where they've already been. Right. And uh, Kyle O'Reilly saw it and he sent it to the rest of the group. Wow. And then Adam Cole posts it wow. and then people start trying, you know, paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to go back and look at the dates, but um, within... 24 or 48 hours, I got a message from somebody at WWE shop, I think. Wow. Um, No, I got a message from the guy who would end up becoming my manager at work. Wow. And his original idea was like, hey, I saw the video. You know, the guys are pushing it. Um, Right. We would love to maybe if you're going to make these videos. What's up, man? Golly. Uh, <laughs> Bye, son. Hi. I love it because that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it's coming. Like, it is coming. Trust me. It's coming. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, they were like, you know, if you're going to make these videos anyway, we would love to ship you some like WWE shop stuff. Sweet. Um, so he asked me what my availability is for that next week to get on a call and just talk through stuff. Right. We never talked about WWE shop, but um, he looked at, you know, my LinkedIn and mm-hmm. uh, just my work on my my personal page. And he was like, you know, we had a long conversation, an hour or two. Wow. What would you what would you want to do? Like, let's say you were offered a job at WWE. What would you want to do? And I talked about announcing for college basketball and mm-hmm. having a theater degree and, yeah. you know. I feel like I can kind of convert that into either ring announcing or the backstage interviewing. Sure. So that was August. Okay. Of 2018, October, 2018. I'm scheduled to visit Monday night raw in uh, not Chicago, but like Chicago. Right. And the, the manager, his name is Brian. Mm-hmm. Crazy accident. He got hit by a bus. I'm Jeez. like, he got hit by a bus, shattered Whoa. his pelvis. So we had these ideas for segments that I was going to do, like social media segments. Okay. So that all went out the window because, you sure. know, he's not going to be there. But I still right. had to be there that next week. Okay. Um, so I go in and do these cold interview tests. Um, Mike Canellis, Leo Rush, a referee. Uh, I don't even remember who, like, there was five different people. Wow. Nia Jax probably and somebody else. And they didn't know what I was going to ask them. And I didn't know. And I didn't know if I was supposed to do like the WWE style or like my own thing. Right. 
Um, so it was bad. Like I was really nervous because I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Okay. Um, I thought I blew it. Okay. And uh, I sent out a Christmas message, you know, like or Happy New Year's or something. Right. To all my contacts and friends, and right. uh, I sent one to Brian. Okay. And he responded and said, you know, hey, I just want you to know I haven't forgotten about you. I'm actually cleared to come back after the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk and, you know, try to figure out something again. Okay. So he brought me down to NXT in February. Wow. And uh, I went around, you know, I met everybody. He introduced me to like the Street Profits and wow. Triple H and Shawn Michaels and all these guys. Wow. And it helped that they already knew because of social media at the time who i was so it was like wow. i'm not like outwardly freaking out but on the inside right. I'm like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me right. in my life absolutely <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um so kind of the same thing as you know the the, the college basketball test of mm-hmm. like you know they didn't tell me but when they brought me in you know brian sat me down and said you're gonna we're gonna offer you a job wow um and this was the test. He said, we wanted to bring you in and see how you would react to being in this environment for the first time. Mm-hmm. If you were going to mark out and be a fan, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And try to get autographs and stuff, or if right. you treat it as a professional job. Mm-hmm. Um, and at no point, other than at one point, Sami Zayn talked about the Black History thing that I did. And I was like, this is just not happening. Wow. <laughs> right so like, um, that was the only time I kind of like... <sighs> lost my cool a little bit mm-hmm. because you don't expect that. Sure. Sure. It's different if Montez Ford says, Hey man, I appreciate that black history thing you did. Right. But for Sami Zayn to, to be speaking my own lyrics back to me, that's crazy. That was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, he's like, look, there, we, we see what you can do. We see the value there and the, the ideas of where it could go. Yeah. Um, and two months later, they offered the job, and it Incredible. was, yeah, it was crazy, man. That's so, <laughs> all right, family. I hope you enjoyed part one of our amazing interview with Josiah Williams. Listen, there's a lot more that we're going to get into, and we're saving that for part two of the interview, which you'll be able to hear right here this Wednesday. So. Make sure you're subscribed so you can check out the balance of this amazing interview. If you enjoyed it, let your friends and followers know on the socials and be sure to hit him up at J. Dean Williams on Instagram and on Twitter at J. Dean Williams. But yeah, what a great interview. What a great time. And again, part two of our chat with Josiah Williams is coming up this week. Wednesday. But until then, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, the EP, John Murray. My name is Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. Solid.